I'm on this weekend community group. Um, Ed Myrickle said to me, Dan, when are we going to be done with the minor prophets? I said, we got, we got three more. He goes, how come they're just so negative sometimes? And I said, well, there's a lot of judgment, but there's some hope in there too. So um, you're going to see that even in Haggai today with those two chapters. So uh, hang with me. We'll, we'll finish those out by the end of August. Appreciate Daryl preaching for me last week. I did notice that Mike accidentally left in our weekly connection that Daryl would be preaching this week. And I, I wasn't sure to send out a correction or not, would that be good or bad? But, but n- I'm not sure many of you noticed. So maybe, I'm not sure how many of you read that weekly connection or midweek connection, but Daryl said he was ready to preach, but I said, no, I, I got this. So Mandy and I had an opportunity to go out last week, fly out on Friday, it was my birthday, so we flew out to Denver to see Elijah for a, a few days. The, the, the highlights of the weekend, I'm not sure a highlight would be the right word. He, he is like, if he's on a mountain bike, if he's on a snowboard or whatever, or his car for that matter, it's just an extension of who he is. He's just a maniac with that. So he t- convinced Amanda and I to get on this ski lift, chairlift, go up 1,000 feet from 10 to 11,000 feet and come back down on a mountain bike. And there were these trails that the first few trails, the first trail wasn't bad. The second one that he convinced me to go on, not mom, was a, I believe he calls it a double black diamond. I have no idea what that means. I crashed twice. And, and I, I can still feel the effects of the handlebars right here and the rocks right here. And so um, I don't recover as quickly at 49 as I did at uh, 29. So uh, no more mountain biking. Uh, we're just, we're not going to do that anymore. But it was good to see him. Keep praying for Elijah. He's just on our heart that um, he's growing up, but spiritually just not where he needs to be. And he knows that. We've had some very good open conversations about that. So. Speaking of kids, though, let me just tell you a little illustration that'll lead into Haggai here. Um, I'm not sure if, if your kids have done any of this. I think this is kind of a newer thing because of COVID. But when my kids get some, some money, just money in general, whether it be birthday or um, uh, doing a job or some chores or whatever, um, for some reason, they're like, we don't want your food, mom and dad. We want to use Uber Eats or <laughs> Grubhub or what's the third one I'm missing? DoorDash. And I'm like, absolutely not. You're not spending the little money you have for somebody to deliver you food when you can walk over to the pantry, open the door, and find the, Like, there's food there, but, but just, just go eat it, okay? You don't have very much. I mean, like, when you're spending, like, 20% of the money you have for somebody to deliver you food, you have messed up what? Priorities, Okay. We're going to talk about priorities today. Now, we could probably all look at each other and say, you know what, your priorities aren't my priorities. Because some of you are thinking, I spend money on DoorDash all the time, right, Jen? You can, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, won't, I won't pick on anybody in particular. But we, we all have different priorities, don't we? But as followers of Jesus, we have to wrestle with what are his priorities. We, we don't get the option that if, if something's important to God, we can't just sweep it under the carpet and not let it be a priority to us. And, and, and the idea of priorities and value go together because we use that phrase, where are your priorities? Um, we have limited resources, time and money and energy and, and things, and we have to decide how to use them. And as followers of Jesus, we have to say, what does God want me to do with this resource? Where does he fit into all of this? Is this a priority to him. Do my priorities need to change to be more like his? So let's take a walk together through an ancient book 
Haggai, and we're going to look at four priorities. These are priorities to God, and I believe they should be priorities to his people, whether it was back in 520 B.C., or in 2022 AD. I'm not going to show you the overview video. You're welcome to go look at it in the Bible Project because we're going to look at all two chapters together fairly quickly. We don't know much about Haggai, except we know the setting. In fact, that's going to be pretty clear as we read the book together. So uh, let's put Haggai 1. Uh, we're just read, let me read through the first chapter together. In the second year of Darius the king, okay, real quick time out here. Let's get the setting. Darius is the king of Persia. Well, how do we get to Persia? We haven't even brought up Persia yet. So let's back up here. And you've got uh, the United Kingdom back under David and Solomon. And then shortly after there, you've got the 10 northern tribes that split off and they became known as Israel. And then you've got the two southern tribes known as Judah. For those of us who have been doing the Bible reading plan, you know in Chronicles and Kings that all of the kings of Israel were bad dudes. There was never a good one. There was a mixed bag down in Judah. But over time, because Israel had rebelled against God, God says, I I'm going to let you go into captivity. And Assyria, 722, came down and, over and, and uh, conquered Israel, and they never returned to their land at that point in time. Well, then Judah, two southern tribes, they messed up too. And God says, I, I have to punish you and, and take you into captivity too. And the Babylonians overtook them. Well, in, in the history, and I don't know the exact timing of this, but Babylon also overtook Egypt, conquered Egypt, and they also conquered Assyrians. Well, then we saw back in one of our minor prophets, I, I think it's Nahum, I'm, I'm losing my memory here, but uh, Babylon also, I mean, um, Babylon was conquered by the Persians. So it's just over and over again, God allowing this to happen. And so when we get to this point, as the Persians conquered Babylon, they let God's people go back into the land. So the people have returned to Jerusalem. So now here we pick up the story. On the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai to the prophet um, uh, by the way, this is August 31st. I, just, I don't know who figures out those calendars, but it's actually August 31st there. But the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to two guys, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Now, we're going to see those names multiple times through here. From here on out, we're going to call them hey, uh, Zerubbabel and Judah, Joshua, and we're not going to worry about their titles. But this is what God says to them. Verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Back in the fall of last year, I think it was, I don't know, I have to remember my exact timing, I said to Daryl, Daryl, wait, I want to replace the carpet upstairs and put in luxury vinyl planking because it's just a lot easier with dogs and kids and all that. And so ordered me some stuff and got the product delivered. Well, it was sitting in my garage for the longest time, and I wanted to clean my garage and actually park something in there. Well, let's take it upstairs. I'll get to the project soon. So we took all of them and put them in Sophia's room because her room wasn't being replaced. And so she's like, Dad, can I have my room back? You're not doing the project. Like, like can, I, can I? I'm like, okay. So we moved them to the main bathroom upstairs, and they're just standing there. To this day, the project has yet to be started. So I'm the one saying the time has not yet come to finish the house project. But that's what these people were doing. These people are saying, hey, um, it's not yet time to rebuild the house. Lord. Well, what were they busy doing? Look at verse 3. 
Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai. The prophet says, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Don't think 60s and 70s paneling houses. This is like if you lived in a paneled house, like it's like you're living in Westlake or, or Avon Lake or some of these, these nice places, okay? He's like, you're living in your nice houses. You're focused on that and you've completely forgotten about where God's supposed to reside. Verse five, now therefore, this says the Lord of hosts, he uses this phrase, consider your ways. Take a time out. Uh, think about what you're doing. Then he says, you, you've sown much, put lots of seed in the ground, but you've harvested little. You eat, but it's like you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You, you clothe yourselves, but, but you're not warm. And he who earns wages does so to then put them in a bag with holes. So what he's saying here is, um, you haven't been living the life that I have for you. How's that working for you? There are consequences to you not caring about the things that I care about. And, and this is what's happening to you. In fact, he continues, seven, oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, seven. Thus says the Lord of hosts, again, consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood, build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Like, like, like that's a good thing. But he's like, no, no, hang on. You, you looked for much and behold, it came to a little. And when you bought it, brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Like God has to respond to our sinfulness, to mankind's sinfulness. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew. The earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, uh, on the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and all of their labors. God's saying sin has consequences. Like if you don't care about what I care about, I'm just gonna let you go your direction. Remember when Romans 1, we talked about if you, if you reject God as creator and, and there's not a gratitude for who he is, then, then God says, okay, I'll, I'll just let you have it your way and guess what? It's not pretty. That's what's happening here. But watch this. In verse 12, I love this. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua with all the remnant of the people, the people that had come back from, um, from Babylon, they obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord had sent him, and the people did what? What's the word there? They feared the Lord. Now, we're going to see here in a minute, he's going to reference fear. I think, you know, you know how there's times as a parent, like, you don't care if your kids obey you out of fear. In fact, sometimes that's good. That's what's happening here. There's like, oh, we better, we better rebuild the temple. Like, we better get on this. They feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, and he says this, I am with you, declares the Lord. Now, where is God? In the Old Testament, it, you know, it started out in a tabernacle, and eventually in the temple was the Holy of Holies where God resided among the people. And he's saying, guess what? I'm going to be with you 
while you build the house so I can stay there. Like, yay, that's a good thing. But he goes a step further, and the Lord, verse 14, stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. That's beautiful. And the spirit of Joshua. And the spirit of all the remnant of the people. Like, I'm going to help you build this house. And they came, and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. That's September 21st, if you're kind of keeping track there. August 29, September 21 so far. So here's what, let's call this this morning. Four priorities. First one, the priority of God's house. Now, I don't mean this building. So when I was a kid, a bunch of, can I say old geezers? Old, some, some guys in the church. Stop running in the church. This is God's house. Sorry. You know, I don't believe that. Okay? I don't believe that this is any more of a holy place than our living rooms. Now, we need to respect the building and respect people. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying being disrespectful at all. But, but God resides in a different place now. And, and the truth is, where God resides with his people should be a priority to his people. And Haggai calls them out on it, and, and they obey. The truth is, God wants to dwell with his people. He wants to dwell with us. Remember, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. And we're going to get to Jesus in a minute here, but, but he's saying, God wants to dwell with you people, so let's get this done. He wants to live among you. He wants to en- you to enjoy his presence. So what does that mean for us today? Where does God reside today? It's kind of a long answer, but if you think like Jesus said in Matthew 6, pray then like this, our Father in where? Heaven. So God the Father's in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then 1 Corinthians 6, we looked at before, a few, just a few months before, do you not know that your body is a what? A temple of who? Holy Spirit. So the temple, so, so God the Holy Spirit from Pentecost on dwells among believers in us as a temple whom you have from God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, it's not just as individuals. Yes, the Holy Spirit dwells, but us together as a people, look at 1 Peter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This metaphor, this picture, this this theme goes all throughout scripture. And I love what it says, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with who? The saints, everyone else who loves Jesus, and the members of the household of God, and he describes it this way, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, they they started the church, Christ Jesus himself being the what? Cornerstone. What's a cornerstone? Cornerstone is like the foundation of the foundation. It's the key piece in all of that. It's Jesus. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy what? Temple in the Lord. So you as an individual are a temple, but together all of our temples make up a big temple. In him, 
you also are being built up together into a what? A dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In the Old Testament, that place was, was valuable where God wanted. He said, but you're, you're, you're neglecting that. You, you're not prioritizing it like you should, which begs the question that, that where does God live today? Does that need to be a priority too? Um, do you and I spend as much time on, on where God resides now? And I don't mean just our physical bodies, although I think that does play a role, but, but in our, our souls. Like, are we spending as much time focused on God's presence in us as we do everything else in life. The, the theme of our men's and women's retreat is, is follow me, where, where Jesus says follow me, but also as, as we follow him, we turn to others and say follow me as I follow Jesus, making disciples, we're talking about that, following Jesus, and we do that because God wants to dwell with us. As we grow, we, we experience a deeper communion with him. And so I ask, how much is that a priority to us? Truth is, there are so many things that can get in the way of that. Lots and lots of distractions. We can fill up our time, things we can spend our money on, our energy, but, but are we spending time in the word and prayer, being with God's people, serving God's people? Those are the priorities. So where he lives, where he dwells, his presence is important, but watch, Haggai's gonna build on that chapter two. Verse one, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came, by the way, that was October 17th, if you wanna know. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. This is what he says. Speak now to Zerubbabel, to Joshua, and to all the remnant of the people, and say this, verse three. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory. Like he's talking to the old folks. He said, remember when, remember what it used to look like? How beautiful it was? How great it was? Well, how, how do you see it now? <laughs> Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Not very impressive, huh? Like it, 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 it's in bad shape. So God says this, yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel. Be strong, O Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. Work. Work. Tell my kids that. Work. For I am what? With you. You work, I'm going to help you. The, the funner, the more fun thing that we did out visiting Elijah was on the last day we were there. We couldn't do it one day because it was raining. But instead of mountain biking down the hill, he says, okay, we'll make it a little easier. And his shop, downtown Breckenridge, Ohio, Colorado, uh, um, uh, rents out these electric bikes where the more you pedal, the more it gives you power. I like that. Like we, we could like, I, I could just be easily pedaling. We're going 20 miles an hour. So we just zoomed into a town and came back. Like I would much prefer that than, than the mountain biking or any other kind of biking. Well, this is what God's saying. He's like, you work and I'll help you work. That's the spiritual life. That's the commitment of discipleship and sanctification. But he says, work, because here's why. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. Remember, we made a deal. When you came out of Egypt, you're going to be my people, I'm going to be your God, and, and here's what it means to be in a relationship with me. 
Well, my spirit remains in your midst. So do what? Fear not. Don't just obey me because you fear me. Let's be in relationship together. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, watch this, in a little while, which by the way, God's in a little while is often very different than our in a little while, right? Like they they don't always match up. I'm going to do this. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. There's only one person who can shake all that, and that's God. But then he says, and I will shake all nations. Now, here's what I'm picturing. You know how you got those piggy banks, and you don't want to break the piggy bank, but you got to get the money out for a cup of coffee? You shake it so the quarters come out of the bottom. I guess that's really not a good illustration anymore because now we just use our Apple Pay, and it doesn't. But, but you, you got to get the money out. This is what he's going to do. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in and I will fill this house that you're rebuilding with what? Glory. glory. I'm going to fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And guess what? The latter what? Glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. It's kind of that HGTV, like an extreme makeover. Okay? The new temple is going to be a whole lot better than the old temple. And in this place, I will give, what's the word there? Peace, shalom. Everything is going to be made right, declares the Lord of hosts. This is the priority of God's glory. My friends, God's going to get the glory one way or another. That's what it's all about. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. And he's going to make that happen. Everything is going to be made right. He's going to do a full shakedown. Because all that gold, all that silver, all that treasure, it's all his. Now we could talk a lot about God's glory, but let me just focus in on one area. Where is God's glory today? Where do we see it? How do we access it? John 1 verse 14 says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his, who's his? It's Jesus, his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Then we jump over to Hebrews chapter one. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the who? The prophets, Haggai, others. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by who? His Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, dying on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where he's hanging out. Holy Spirit here, God the Father and Jesus up there, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. As followers of Jesus, my dear friends, his glory needs to be our priority. Not your glory, not my glory, not our family's glories, not our, the glory of our stuff. And so that's why we gather every Sunday to be reminded it's not about us. It's about him. And we hear from him and great is our God. We are sinners. Jesus saves us. We're like 
people in the days of Judges, remember that? They would slowly sometimes and very quickly at other times forget God. He'd let them suffer the consequences of not walking with him. They'd cry out for help and God would rescue them. And then things would be good until they forgot him the next time. Wash, rinse, fold, repeat, same cycle over and over again. We do make it about us sometimes, don't we? A lot of times. The priority of our glory? No. The priority of his glory. In his house, in his presence. One more, verse 10. Or two more, I should say. Uh, 10 to 19, let me read it for you. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, by the way, that's December um, 18th. I don't know why I'm hooked on those, but... Uh, in the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second day of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. So we've got a, a case study for you. Verse 12, if someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, so uh, that meat has been, been sanctified, it's, it's special meat, it's holy meat, and he puts it in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil of any kind of food, does it become Holy. The priests are like, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. Here's what Haggai wants to point out. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. He's reminding of them of their rebellion against him. As, he, as this house is built, guess what? If I just left it up to you, it wouldn't be so clean of a house. So we have to deal with that. So now then, and watch this phrase, consider from what? This day onward. Hang on to that phrase, okay? Um, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, before they even start building this temple, um, how did you fare, God asked them. Like, how are you doing this? Like, how did it work out for you? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there's only 10. When uh, one came to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there, there's only 20 there. Here's why. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight, with mildew, with hail, and yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. We've seen this in the prophets multiple times where God, trying to get their attention, says, I, I gotta let you have the consequences of your sin. I gotta punish you. And you're so stubborn, you still didn't return to me. But watch this. Verse 18. Consider from this day onward. So this day is an important day. Something's happened in this day. He said it twice so far. He says, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. So he's saying something is special happening today. We're going to lay the foundation for this temple. Consider this. 19, is the seed yet in the barn? No. Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from what? This day, third time he said that, from this day on, I will do what? Bless you. It's a start over. God, God is promising something new and special. And, and they're hearing it because I think this does remind us of the priority of God's promises.
You could put the word foundation with that as well because for them, but the foundation, you, you have to have the good foundation to build on. And he's saying today, we're gonna put in a good foundation and we're gonna build this back up. I'm going to rebuild everything. I'm gonna restore everything. I'm gonna make everything right again. I'm gonna bring back my glory and hear this, I'm gonna reverse the consequences of your sin. Some of you need to hear that this morning. He's saying as it begins today, and it begins today as you put that foundation in. It starts today. The house starts today. From this day on, I will bless you. Consider from this day onward. Things haven't been going your way because of your sin, but I'm going to take you in a new direction. Now, God does do that with his people as a whole. But I'm also here to remind you that he does it with us as individuals. He gives us opportunities to start over. In fact, Jeremiah says, uh, his mercies are new when? Every morning. Every morning. Let's connect this to Jesus. Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians, he writes this in chapter three. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Like, I planted the church, and someone else is building upon it. Someone's gonna come behind me and be your teacher. Let each one, though, take care how he builds on it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, Jesus is the foundation of church. It's not pastors, it's not elders, it's not the congregation. Jesus is the foundation. All of our promises are fulfilled in him. God's promises to make everything right again were started in Jesus at his birth and he's gonna complete it when Jesus comes back at his second coming. And that should be a priority to us. Because God's promises are something that we not only can, but should lean on. We can't lean on the promises of a politician. Sometimes we can't lean on the promises of our spouse. Lean on the promises of, as parents to our kids. And certainly, we, we struggle there. We, the, the promises, like we're, we're people, we're, we're gonna wrestle with this. Um, I'm glad you're here, Ralph, because I already talked about your first service. But um, our, our community group uh, on Thursday night, we're sitting around the table. And which, um, by the way, you, if you're not in a community group getting one, come join us. For I was realizing that I think in, what, five or six weeks, our community group, we've had a, a birthday, three birthday cakes. So like we're the group to be a part of. So, so come have some cake with us. But, but we're sitting around on Thursday night. And, and it started off just kind of, complaining about culture. It just, it just started. I've got some older folks in my group. So we started complaining about it. But then we, we quickly went into, well, well, as believers, how do we respond to everything going on around us? And it was a good conversation. It was deep. And we ended in prayer. And I remember just Ralph kind of directing our conversation saying, you know, we need to trust God. And, and there's a reality that, that we, every week we come in and we hear from his word. Why? Because we need to know what he promises for us that he's going to take care of us. He's going to do this for us. One last section, four verses, verse 20. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, again, December. Speak to Zerubbabel, not to Joshua, not to the people, speak to Zerubbabel, saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of what? kingdoms, I'm about to destroy the strength of the what? 
kingdoms of the nations and to overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders shall go down, everyone by the sword of his brother. And on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. Who wears a signet ring? A king. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. So God was telling them, it's okay. I'm in charge. I've got this. My kingdom is better. My kingdom is stronger. My kingdom is bigger. I got this. So shouldn't that mean that his kingdom should be our priority too? The priority of God's kingdom. Whose side are we on? Sometimes it feels like Satan's kingdom. The kingdom of darkness is winning, but not for long. And we need reminded of that. And Zerubbabel, at that time, was like a signet ring. He, he became a picture. He became a symbol of God's power and authority. Who else represents God's power and authority to us? Jesus. He's the promised Messiah. He's the king from the line of David, the anointed one. He came humbly the first time, but he's not coming humbly the second time. He's coming with a sword, and we'd better be ready. He tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to us. And so my brothers and sisters, I ask you, is God's kingdom a priority to you? Do you seek that first? How much of your life is about his kingdom or how much of his life is about your kingdom? How much of our life is, is spent on the, uh, trying to please the kingdoms of others? Do we try to control everything? Is there unconfessed sin in our lives? Are, are, are you living in rebellion? Have you responded to say, I, I need the gospel, I need Jesus Christ, I'm gonna confess my sin? Are you struggling with self-righteousness on the other side, thinking, eh, I got all this? Haggai reminds us that what is most important to God needs to be what is most important to us. His house representation of his presence. It's the same for us today. His glory. Is Jesus lifted high in our church, in our homes, in our lives? The priority of his promises. That's why studying his word is so important. His kingdom. It's where Jesus is the priority. Mike, why don't you come on forward? I don't know if Malia's joining you or not. <laughs> is she coming? Um, we're gonna sing a song today. I'm gonna to invite you to come to the communion table and uh, just receive the elements and we'll take them together. But, but Jesus is the priority. Let me say a prayer for you. And we're gonna sing a song that I'm not sure we've sang since I've been here. So many of you recognize the old hymn, I Surrender All. It's just an invitation to say, God, I'm, I'm gonna give it to you. Let me pray for you. Father, pray for us. Father, thank you for your word, even as it comes through a prophet many, many years ago. God, help us to have your priorities, your values, what's important to you, not what's most important to us. Encourage those that are doing that, even when it's difficult. God, may they just walk out today just rein reinvigorated to keep going as they surrender. But I'm sure there's some in here today
that, that need to just say, God, I, I'm sorry. I've been doing it my way. And I need to give you this. Maybe there's some areas in our lives where we do surrender, but there's some others where we think, God, don't touch that. That's off limits. But no, we need to surrender all. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that uh, he, he is the one that, that has allowed us to be in a relationship with you with, to where we can see life transformation and enjoy being in your presence. Bless us, I pray in Jesus' name.